Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Amen. Well, we started teaching on living the dream. In the first week, we talked about Psalm 126. And it says, when the Lord uh, turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. And so we just began to talk about the blessings of the covenant and the blessings of redemption. And we talked about when you really begin to understand that, how it really is a witness. It's a testimony to other people. You'll often hear me say this. God wants to bless you so much that he makes you an advertisement of how he treats his children. And I literally believe that. Amen? And then last week, we talked about Paul and how he received a vision from God when he was, you know, just got saved on the road to Damascus. And how he, he was testifying later in his life in Acts chapter 26. And he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And we talked about this dream that, you know, I believe that dream that you enter that dream when you're born again. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. I believe that that dream grows. Jesus, when he appeared to Paul, he said, for the things that I have appeared to, for this purpose, I have appeared to you and for the things that I'm going to reveal to you. Right? So as you walk with the Lord, that dream will grow. And you grow in walking out the heavenly vision, the dream that God has for you. And um, we talked about finally that that dream is connected to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 3, I forget those things that are behind me. And he says, I press toward the mark for the high call of God in Christ Jesus. I believe that God has a purpose, that God has a plan for your life. And I believe that God's plan for your life is better than your plan any day of the week. As you walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it gets revealed to you. Amen? Now, today, I'm going to talk about a dream comes through the multitude of business. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 3. The Bible says, A dream comes through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. Some people just talk about it, right? They're always talking about doing things, but they're, they don't really continue in it. We had a Bible school director here at Karis Bible College a number of years ago, and he said, I'm amazed how many people get led astray and are following people that are just talking about it, but they've never really done anything. And if you really want to be successful, you need to find some people that are successful and follow them. He says, a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Now, I talked to Andrew Womack several years ago about this scripture. And I said, a dream comes from the multitude of business. And he immediately spoke back to me. He said, that means it's a lot of work. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to fulfill the dream of God, the vision of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, it's a lot of work. Amen? If you really have a vision and a dream that comes from God, it'll cause you to get up early in the morning. Praise God, it'll cause you to stay up late at night. Praise God, because there are things for you to accomplish that God wants you to accomplish, and He wants you to be connected to His purpose and His plan. I talked about a little bit last week, some people's lives are cut short because they quit doing what God called them and appointed them and anointed them to do. Kenneth E. Hagin talked about this, how he knew a lot of people because they failed to keep moving in what God had for them, their lives were cut short. I don't want my life to be cut short. 
I want to keep walking in God's purpose, plan, dream, and vision for my life. Amen? And so we want to keep walking in that. But he says, uh, uh, he says, a dream comes through the multitude of business. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that works. I'm going to talk about three people and how their walk with God really shows us different aspects of dream or the vision. The first one that I want to talk about is Joseph. Joseph is an amazing person to be. He's one of my favorite Old Testament Bible characters. But God gave Joseph a dream when he was only 17 years old. We can read about it in Genesis chapter 37. And when he dreamed this dream in the first part of it, it says in verse 5 through 7, Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him the more. You know what? Not everybody is going to like your dream. And you got to be careful who you tell your dream to. Some of the people that will fight you the most are people that really don't have a dream of their own. And he said unto them, Here I pray you the dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance. They bowed down to my sheaf. Now, what's that talking about? It's talking about work. Guess what? It's talking about harvest. And if you know anything about harvest, harvest is a lot of work. Praise God. I grew up in southeastern Colorado. We had a dryland wheat farm, and then we moved to Kit Carson when I was just 23, just before I turned 24 to start Karis Christian Center. And we lived in Kit Carson, Colorado, and they have a lot of big wheat farms in Kit Carson, Colorado. But you know what? When harvest comes, they run those combines. If they can, they'll run 24-7. They will never stop. As soon as that wheat dries down to where they can cut it and store it without it spoiling, those combines are in the field. And they'll run. Maybe it's 8 or 9 sometimes in the morning before they can get started, but they'll run till midnight or 1. And if the dew doesn't set, they'll run all night. They'll run 24-7. Because they know that you've got to get the harvest in right while there's time. Because a storm can come and destroy that harvest. Right? Because different problems can come. In fact, Jesus talked about harvest, and he said, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. When wheat is white, that means it's ready to perish in the field. And Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He said, pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Praise God. And so when, when we talk about following God's dream, and, and when we're thinking about Joseph, I'm talking today in Joseph's life, the main thing that I want you to get is that we grow in wisdom and we grow in favor. But the first thing that Joseph learned in his father's house is Joseph learned how to work. Praise God. And if you don't learn how to work, you're never going to be very successful in this life. Praise God. You know, Paul said this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He said, if a man will not work, therefore he will not eat. That was my dad's favorite scripture. In fact, a few years ago, 
I was preaching a series on raising children, and someone told me, why don't you ask your boys the top ten things that you and Barbara spoke into their life and invested in their life to help them be successful? And the number one thing all three of my boys said that I taught them was how to work, to have a good work ethic. When my youngest son, Peter, graduated from Princeton University, it was in the financial downturn in our nation. And there was only one, two places that he had offers from. One was a small financial firm in New York City. The other one was for Burger King, and, and they're part of the 3G capital system. And he said, listen, I'm going to go to work for Burger King. He prophesied his own destiny. He said, because they got a bunch of young guys working for them, and I'm going to get promoted really quickly. Well, praise God, Peter took a job there in Miami. He wasn't making a lot of money for being in corporate business, for being in Miami, but he took a job in the first year. He worked really hard. In fact, he would go in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, about nine o'clock. But a lot of times he didn't get off till midnight. Then they'd call him sometimes on Saturday to come into work. And then he would, and then they would call him Sunday afternoon, they said, Peter, it's good for you to go to church, so we want you to go to church. That's what you call favor. Praise God. But we need to grow in wisdom and favor. Now, after a little bit, they called him in and they said, Peter, if you keep this good work ethic and this good attitude, and they said, listen, we can tell that somebody has a good attitude when they've worked so about 90 hours in five days and then they get called in on Saturday and then they get called back Sunday afternoon and they're still happy. They said, Peter, you have an excellent attitude. And they said, if you keep working hard and keep a good attitude, keep working with people well, you're going to go a long ways. Well, now Peter is just 32 years old, but Peter is the chief operating officer of Burger King of the Americas. And it's been supernatural, the favor that, he, that he's received there. But it doesn't stop with just work. There's a lot of people that work hard, but they don't go a long ways in life. So there's some other things you've got to learn. Now, when Joseph's brothers took him, they threw him in a pit when he was coming to check on him. They said, here comes that dreamer. They could see him a long ways down the road because of the pretty coat his father had given to him. And they said, we're going to see what comes of his dream. And they throw, threw him in a pit. They saw a little bit later their Ishmaelite cousins coming down the road. And so they, they took Joseph and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. But they, went, they were on their way to Egypt. Egypt was the leading empire in the world at that time. In, in chapter 39 of, Joseph, uh, of Genesis verse 1, it says, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Notice, Joseph probably didn't have any more than a loincloth right? When he was sold as a slave, but the Lord was with him and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Joseph was a slave, but Joseph wasn't enslaved in his spirit. Joseph was a prosperous man because of his relationship with God. And I want you to know today that you're prosperous, not because of what you have on the outside, not because of your position in this life, but you're prosperous because God is with you. His master saw that the Lord was with him, it says in verse 3, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his whole house, and he put all into his hand. And it came to pass, 
from that time that he had him made him overseer in his house, the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sakes, that he says over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all he had in the house and in the field. A number of years ago, we had some uh, people that came here to church and they were students at that time of Karis Bible College. They were working at a small business in town and many times the business would slow down. When the business slowed down, they would join hands and they would pray and God would send people into that business and, and, and the, the owner of that business recognized that he was blessed because of them. You know what? God wants you to be a blessing wherever you're at. And God wants to make you a blessing. It's not only about you. It's so that you can be a blessing. And guess what? If you determine that you're going to be a blessing wherever you're at, God will bless you and God will take care of you. It says the blessing of the Lord was on this Egyptian's house, on Potiphar's house. All he had in the house in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he didn't know anything that he had except the bread that he did it. Did he? And Joseph was a good person, and he was well favored. You know, I believe what Joseph learned and what he was growing in in Potiphar's house was he was growing in his ability to manage, not only to manage resources and finances, but to manage people. And I believe that Joseph was growing in that management ability. You know what? I, I, I've had a few people say this about me. I've been very good in the realm of management. Praise God. Billy Epperhart said that about me. My good friend Ed Meyer said about that, that about me. And so that's not only, you know, me saying that. That's what others have recognized. But management. But you need to grow in more than just management. Now, after a period of time, the master went on a journey, and his wife began to look at Joseph in the wrong way. One day when Joseph was in the house and nobody was else was, was there except the master's wife, she grabbed his coat. And she said, lie with me. And he said, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? So he did what every good believer should do. He ran. And listen, if somebody's after you, young men, young women, run, baby, run. Amen? But don't let the devil take advantage of you. You don't want to let the devil take advantage of you. So, so he ran. And, and you know, um, he left his coat there in her hands. When the, when the boss came back, Potiphar came back, she said, look at this Egyptian, this Hebrew servant. She was prejudiced. This Hebrew servant that you brought in here, he tried to lie with me and I kept his coat. Now the master probably, Potiphar probably knew that, that Joseph was a good man and his wife was a little crazy, but to save face, he had Joseph thrown in prison. But notice what happened in the prison. Notice what it says in verse 20 to verse 23 of Genesis 39. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor. Again, he was growing in wisdom. And he was growing in favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You know, Joseph's prosperity was not determined by his outward condition. Joseph's condition was not uh, determined by, you know, who his boss was. Joseph's condition was determined by God. And God caused him to prosper even in the prison. Now, notice what it says. If you look very, very closely in verse 21, it says, Whatsoever they did there in the prison, 
whatever they did, he was the doer of it. In other words, Joseph learned how to administrate. Now, this is something that I've had to learn, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not the greatest at administration. But at this point in life, God has given me three people that are really good in administration. He's given me my son, Aaron, who oversees all the pastoral ministry here at the church. He's given me Nate Carter, who oversees all the tech and TV ministry. And he's given me Damon Peterson. Damon's a very gifted administrator. And Damon oversees all the finances and all the office. And, and I believe because of what God's given us, we're going to be able to go farther and accomplish more and do it faster. But Joseph had to th learn in those three areas. Now, when Joseph was in the prison, the, the Pharaoh had put two people in there. One was the butler and one was his baker. And one day when Joseph came in, the butler and the baker were sad. And he said, why are you guys so sad? It was an unusual thing in Joseph's prison for somebody to be sad. It was a very unique prison. Praise God, Joseph caused joy to come to everyone around. And they said, well, we dreamed a dream and we don't know the interpretation. He said, don't interpretations belong to God? And they said, yeah. So the butler said, well, I dreamed a dream. And Joseph said, here's the interpretation. Three days, you're going to be restored and you're going to put the cut back in Pharaoh's hand. He said, remember me because I really don't belong here. <laughs> Amen. Then the, the baker, seeing that the butler had a good interpretation, he said, well, I had a dream too. And here's my dream. He said, in three days, they're going to find out who the head of the conspiracy was, it's you. And they're going to hang you from a tree and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And it happened exactly like he said. But the butler forgot about Joseph. Have you ever had anybody forgot about you? I want you to tell you, maybe they have, but God hasn't forgot about you. Two years later, the butler went into the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh was sad. He said, why are you sad? He said, well, I had a dream and nobody can tell me the interpretation. He said, why don't you tell that dream to me? Or he, and so he, he said, well, I remember my evil. There's a Hebrew boy, and he's in the prison. And I had a dream, and the baker had a dream. And he interpreted the dream, and it came to pass just like he said. They sent to get Joseph. Joseph got up and washed himself, shaved himself, got ready to go into the presence of the Pharaoh. When he got there, listen to this. Look at this amazing grace in Genesis chapter 41, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh when he came into his presence saying, it's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You know, Joseph wasn't bitter. Joseph wasn't angry. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have been upset. He could have said, Pharaoh, your judicial system is broken. Pharaoh, your prison system is broken. I've been down there for so long and I don't deserve it. But you know, he didn't say that. He said, God's going to give you an answer of peace. He gave him a good answer. And so, Pharaoh told him in the dream, and Joseph gave him the interpretation. He said in verse 25 of Genesis 41, God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. He goes on in verse 29, he said, There come seven years of great plenty throughout all of Egypt. There will be after them seven years of famine, and the plenty will be forgotten in Egypt because the famine will consume the land, and the plenty will not be known by the reason of the famine following, for it will be grievous." And in the dream was doubled to Pharaoh twice. It's because the thing is established by God and God will bring it to pass quickly. Now, Pharaoh, look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth, 20% 
of the part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Everybody say 20%. Now listen, I want everyone in this church to prosper. Amen? And so I'm going to teach you right now what I taught my children. And they're all prosperous. In fact, they're very prosperous. Amen? The first thing you do when you receive finances is you give the first tenth to God. You call that tithing, right? I remember years ago, I picked up Mark Hankins. He, he needed a ride over to Buena Vista. And so I picked him up at a hotel here, and I was driving him over there, and I kept telling him about the blessing of the Lord. And Mark would say, that's a tither's blessing. That's a tither's blessing. That's a tither's blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. There's blessing on tithing. And if you don't do it, you ought to get involved in it. Amen. I don't believe that you can beat God given. But the next thing that he did was he did this. He, he didn't only take up 10%. He took up 20%. The next thing that you need to do if you really want to prosper is you need to save 10%. Praise God. You could save that. You can put it as extra, uh, uh, you know, payment on your house. You need to put it on something that will increase in value. You can put it just in a good investment that's not losing a bunch of money. Don't put it in some crazy scheme. Amen? But you give the first 10%. You save the next 10%. Guess what? You can give more than 10%. You can save more than 10%. But you give the first 10% to God, and you save the next 10%. And I believe no matter what happens, you'll be able to get through it. Praise God. In fact, I believe not only you'll be able to get through it, you can prosper through it. So Joseph told Pharaoh that. Pharaoh looked and he said, is there anyone like Joseph that has the spirit of God on him? This is in th verse 38. You see, he could see the anointing on Joseph's life. You see, I believe that the time that Joseph spent in his father's house working was not wasted time. I believe the time that Joseph spent in Potiphar's house as a slave managing was not wasted time. He was growing in wisdom. He was growing in favor. I believe the time that Joseph spent in the prison was not wasted time. He was growing in his ability to administrate. But when Joseph stood before Potiphar and they put the robe on him and they put the ring on his hand, Joseph began to lead in that position that God had been developing him for for years and years and years. Now, some people think if you have a dream that comes from God, you're never going to have any trouble. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but they're not reading the same Bible that I read. Because guess what? After Joseph got that dream, he had 13 years of difficulty. But the next thing I want to talk to you about is you've got to learn how to deal with difficulty. You've got to learn how to deal with difficulty diligently. And I want to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. We talked about him a little bit last week. But you know what? The Apostle Paul knew how to deal with difficulty. He knew how to deal with problems. In fact, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I want to read in verse 23 to verse 28. These, this is some of the difficulty Paul dealt with as a minister of the gospel following the vision and dream that God gave to him. That he says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons frequent, in deaths often of the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes except one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and day have I been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen. 
Perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. You know, some people, what they say is not true. And you shouldn't just listen to a bunch of gossip because you don't even know the truth many times. So you got to watch out. Don't believe everything everybody tells you. You might have to check out the facts. Praise God. He says, as he's going down through this, he said, I've been in weariness. I've been in painfulness. I've been in watchings often, hunger and thirst, fastings often, cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are on the outside, that comes on me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about his attitude in dealing with some of these problems. In verse 7, he says, Lest I would be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that there was given to me. He says, a thorn in the flesh. Now, he says exactly what that thorn of the flesh is. I want you to know what that thorn in the flesh isn't. That thorn in the flesh is not physical sickness and disease. That thorn in the flesh is not poverty. He says, it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He had some demonic attacks. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I sought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. In other words, he said, man, Jesus, could you get this thing to leave? Amen. Have you ever been in a problem? It just seems like it's difficult and it just wants to hang around. And he said, Jesus, but would you just help me? Could I just get out of this situation? And he says, but he said unto me, now I want you to listen closely to Jesus' answer to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen what Jesus didn't tell him. Jesus didn't say, Paul, suffer with it. He didn't say, Paul, I gave you this problem. God is not your problem. He is your answer. What he said, he said, Paul, I want you to learn how to rely on my grace. I want you to learn how, Paul, to walk in faith. And I want you to keep walking in faith. You know, Paul probably wanted some miracle to happen and that thing just to be gone. I know sometimes there's new believers. And you know what? You pray and there's just supernatural things move and it's gone. But sometimes you've been believing God for a long time and you face some difficulty and you're asking the Lord to remove it and it just doesn't go away. But you need to realize that the Lord hasn't left you. The Lord hasn't forsaken you. God is still with you. You need to keep believing the promise of God. You need to keep believing the Word of God. You need to keep relying on the grace of God because the grace of God will bring you through that difficulty. Amen. The grace of God will bring you into that promise. It'll bring you into the things that you need. Listen to what Paul goes on to say. He learned how to turn those trials into testimonies. He said, most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, when I rely on the grace of God, I find the power of God. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in weaknesses, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me tell you, some of you think that Pastor Lawson and Pastor Barbara never have any problems, but I'm telling you, we got plenty of problems. We just don't tell you about all the problems that we have. You know what? We don't tell you about all the tests and all the difficulties that we're going through. What we do is we wait till that test becomes a testimony, and then we tell you the testimony. That's why you think that we always win. But there's sometimes we face some major challenges. 
In fact, I remember years ago, Andrew Womack talking about people coming up to him and saying how bad their problems were. And he just looked at them and thought, man, he didn't tell them this, but he looked at them and thought this. I wish that's all the problems I had. And I've had people come to me sometimes and tell me I'm dealing with this problem. I'm I say, well, how do you know you're dealing with that? And they'll tell me. And I'm thinking, no, they're not dealing with that problem because I'm dealing with that problem. And what they're telling me doesn't identify with that problem. Amen. Because I'm really dealing with it. Amen? And they're just thinking about it. They don't know it, but I know. Amen? But you know what? I don't let those problems get me down. I don't let those difficulties get me down. I keep believing God. So no matter what kind of trial you're facing, no matter what kind of difficulty you're facing, don't blame God for that problem. Don't blame God. You look to God for the answer, and you keep your eyes on Jesus, and you keep believing the promises of God. You keep looking to the grace of God to help you. See, sometimes a new believer, something just supernaturally removed. But sometimes God says, listen, I want them to learn how to rely on grace and to grow up and walk in faith. Amen? And that doesn't mean that God's left you. It means you just got to grow up and be mature and learn how to deal with difficulties. Praise God. Paul had lots of difficulties, but he dealt with difficulties with diligence. I'm going to show you an example of this in the book of Acts. If you'll go there, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. You see, in Acts chapter 13, Paul was preaching in Antioch. In verse 44 and verse 45, it says the next Sabbath, they came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. He was having great results. Verse 45 says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Sometimes some of the problems and difficulties that you're dealing with with people is because they're jealous of you. He says, and they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. As we go on down and read in verse 49, it says the word of the Lord was published throughout the whole region. But those Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and threw them out of their coast. You know, they, weren't, they were having a great revival. Almost the whole city was coming to listen to them preach. And now they threw them out because of these jealous people that came and sowed strife. And it says, you better watch it if you're so strife. Did you know what? If you're so strife, that'll come back up and grow in your field. So they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. So if you're about doing God's business and people come against you and they fight you and they throw you out, just shake the dust off your feet. Just, just start glorifying and praising and rejoice. Jesus said, rejoice if you're counted worthy to suffer shame for my name and rejoice in the Lord and just go the next place that God tells you to go. The next place they went was Iconium. So in verse, chapter 14, verse 1, it came at pass at Iconium. They went both together to the synagogue of the Jews and spoke, and a great multitude of Jews and the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against their brethren. You've got to watch who you're listening to. Long time, therefore, they abode, speaking boldly in the Lord, who gave testimony to the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of that city was divided, part health with the Jews, part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made of both of Gentiles, also Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully and stone them, they, they were aware of it. You know, sometimes it's like Jesus in Luke chapter 4. He knew they wanted to kill him. He knew it wasn't his time. So he got out of there. Praise God. You know, we need to be wise as serpents and, and, and harmless as doves. They got out of there. And they went over to Lystra in Derby in the cities of Lyconia. And, and it says there they preached the gospel. They preached the grace of God. Look at that in verse 7. 
Verse 8 says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. This was a working of a miracle. Here was a grown man who had never walked. Do you know, he'd never learned how to walk. But, but Paul spoke the word of God, and immediately he was healed. Praise God. Do you know what? The, again, those religious people got mad. They got angry at the revival that was happening. And it says in verse 19, there came certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Or, you know, they just went from one town to another, falling in trouble. <laughs> and, and, and who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. How many of you could tell somebody was dead? I think I could tell. But you know, they threw him out of the city. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came in the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they went and preached the gospel to that city, taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. Just look at this. They, they stoned Paul, threw him out of the city, left for dead. You know what? You're not done till God says you're done. Amen? I love this song that we sing recently. It says, I'm not dead and I'm not done. Praise God, I'm not going to check out too early. Hallelujah. I, you know God's been with me. God's helped me a lot, but I got a lot of life in front of me if Jesus tarries. Hallelujah. And so they threw him out there. They supposed that he was dead, but the disciples came and they raised him up from the dead. And Paul turned right around where they just threw him out. He turned right around, went back where they just, you know, stoned him and left him for the dead. And he preached the gospel to them. You see, you've got to deal with difficulty with diligence. I believe Paul was one of the most diligent. He was one of the most determined people in life, praise God. And he just kept doing what God told him to do. You know what you need to do? If you're going to fulfill the dream and the vision that God has for you, you just need to keep doing what God tells you to do and don't get distracted by persecution. Don't get distracted by problems. Don't get distracted. Just do what God told you to do. Amen? And keep doing what God told you to do last. Praise God. The last person that I want to talk about today is Elijah. Elijah had a major vision from God. And I want to talk about how there's provision in the vision. Uh, because of time, I'm just going to share this with you. But if you'll go to 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah went and spoke a word to the king of Israel, to Ahab. And he said, listen, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And after he did that, he went and hid himself. God, God told him, I, I, I want you to go and hide yourself at the brook Cherith because he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. He was there. God commanded the ravens to feed him. Guess what? There is provision for the vision. If God's told you to do something, you got enough to do it. Praise God. If God's called you to do something, he'll provide for you. Amen. Quit saying God told me, but I can't. Listen, faithful is he who calls, who also will do it. So Elijah went there to Cherith, and he could see the ravens in the morning bringing him bread. He could see them bringing him flesh every morning, every evening. Here comes breakfast. Here comes dinner every day. The Bible says it came to pass after a period of time that the brook dried up. Sometimes the brook dries up. But God spoke to Elijah and said, listen, I want you to go to Zarephath. 
because I have commanded a widow woman to feed you there. He commanded the ravens to feed him. Then he commanded a widow woman. Praise God. God said, I'm going to take care of you. Reminds me of my friend, Bobby Crow. Years ago, he was in Mexico. He was building this great ministry. And, and there was a person who supported him a lot. And this person, they did a major media attack against his ministry. And that person called Bobby heartbroken. Bobby was right in the middle of building a big house and doing all the. He'd been there for years. And... and Bobby said, I didn't know what I was going to do. And this person said, Bobby, I'm so sorry, but I just don't have any money to give you anymore because all the lies that the media had spread about this person that was supporting him. Bobby said, I had a straw in a cup. And God told him, look at that straw, Bobby. He said, what do you mean? He said, That's, that man was just a tool that I brought that through. Praise God. He said, I got that straw pinned on my bulletin board today. He said, because I realize that whoever God is bringing provision through, that is just a tool that God is using. One what may go, but I can tell you something about Karis Christian Center. We got more coming than are leaving. Amen. Hallelujah. And I am excited about the future. I'm excited about what God is doing. So God commanded the ravens to feed him. God commanded. Guess what? There was provision for that widow. Paul went to, you know, when he got, got to... Zarephath, where the widow was. He got there, and this woman, he found this widow woman. He said, what are you doing? She said, I just got a little meal. I got a little oil. I'm going to go make two cakes. I'm going to eat one. My son's going to eat one, and then we're going to die. Listen to the audacity of Elijah. Elijah said, feed me first. If you'll feed me first, I want to tell you something. He said, that barrel of meal is not going to waste. That jar of oil is not going to fail until God sends rain in Israel. So she took a step of faith, and she gave to the prophet of God first. And guess what? Every day they went to that barrel. They opened it up, and there was meal. They went to that jar. This is actually, it's, it's the working of miracles but he, or the gift of faith, and he grows in it. First, he could see the ravens bringing him food right? every morning, every evening. Then every day they went and opened the barrel. There's meal for that day. There's, they opened the jar. Hey, there's the oil for today. Right? They couldn't see that. After that, you know, God spoke to Elijah. He said, I want you to go talk to that wicked king. And he went and talked to that wicked king. And they had a showdown. And Elijah killed 400 prophets of Baal with the sword. There's provision in the vision. And the provision in his vision was to deliver Israel from Baal worship and from idolatry. Praise God. After he did that, Jezebel got mad. And she said, I'm going to have his hide. Elijah got scared and he sat down by a tree and cried out to God. But an angel came and gave him a cake, the first ever angel food cake. And you know what? <laughs> Elijah ran in the strength of that cake for 40 days and 40 nights. That's how the gift of faith increases. Amen. So I want to conclude with this. You need to keep doing what God calls you to do. Amen. You need to find, you need to follow, you need to fulfill God's vision for you. Because not only will it be a blessing to you, but it's going to be a blessing to many people. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.